Patas. 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 Welcome to Fart House, where we watch the artsiest, fartsiest films so that you can pretend that you did. I am one of your hosts, Casey O'Brien, and I am joined by my other host, Patrick Mallon. Patrick, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, Riding high from this wonderful weekend I had with... um, my brother and sister-in-law, Tommy and Morgan. And, um, yes, I saw the pictures on yes. the socials. Uh, in Valle de Guadalupe. Guadalupe. Uh, wow. Did some wine tasting, ate some delicious food. Went with their Ooh. friends, uh, Liz and Cody, and our friends, Matt and Beth. Great. And just had a uh, wonderful weekend. Um, I'd really like to go down with you and Trisha, but you're famously very fearful of Mexico. I'm not fearful of Mexico. <laughs> I just, going across the border, it seems like it takes too much time, and time is so precious when we hang out. Time is very precious when we hang out, but it doesn't take, going south doesn't take that much. Going back does, but do you guys have global entry? We do. Yeah, there you go. It's easy, it's easy, speezy. Easy peasy, schmeezy. Mm. Some variation uh, on easy is what it is. Well, maybe next time I come down to San Diego, we'll consider it. Okay. We'll bring our global entry, and I'll bring my Spanish-English dictionary. <laughs> Perfect. And we can go down there. Cool. That would be, that would be fun. How was your weekend? Um, it was good. Uh, nothing to report. It was fine. Patrick, we, I have, we have to discuss something very important because mm-hmm. we were floundering and trying to figure out what the name of the people who sponsor the show are called. Yeah, I was li- listening back to one of our episodes and we were really, really struggling. So it's nice to see that we've arrived struggling. at something. <laughs> yes. And I, and I came to my wife, Trisha, and I said, help us. Hands and knees. Help us. <laughs> and she said, fine. The name of the people who contribute to the show will be called... Patrons of the farts. And I said, thank you. That's perfect. <laughs> Are you happy with that, Patrick? I love patron of the farts. I, when uh, when you first told me about it, I was kind of like trying to roll things around in my head for like some sort mm-hmm. of pun having to do with the Medicis. You know, the famous Medici family who were patrons of the arts. Uh, sure. Um, nothing really came to mind. Uh, but patron of the farts, I think, is is where we're at. That's, that's the best. I love to hear that. Yeah. That's great. I'm very thankful uh, to you, Trisha, for conceiving of this. Yes, thank. Trisha also came up with the name of our podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you ever? Are you ever concerned with her preoccupation with flatulence? Uh, not until just this moment. <laughs> uh, she seems to be enamored to, with the thought. <laughs> something really to dig into. Uh, I'll think about that more, Patrick. Yeah, if you're ever like in ten years from now, you'll tonight. be in couples and ther- couples therapy, and Trisha's just going on and on about farts. <laughs> The gastrointestinal system, yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, something to think about. Something to explore, certainly. Yes. Um, Patrick, mm-hmm. do you have a sponsor today? We sure do. So, a, a while back, I um, a couple episodes ago, I mentioned that uh, Jack and Liz were our first, very first sponsors. Jack Allen and Liz Allen. Yes. And they were actually our... I, I received a correction from oh. Cousin Morty Woodworker, East Nashville Woodworks. He was yes. technically our first sponsor as East Nashville Woodworks, but he didn't really give us anything. He just said that he was our sponsor. Gave me a fucking headache. That's what he gave me. <laughs> so technically, Matt was our very first. Sure, East Nashville Woodworks sure, is our sure. very first. But then Matt subsequently did pay for an episode and 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 sponsored us for, for real. Okay. That brings us to today. Matt and his fiance Perry Garrett... <gasps> are sponsoring this episode together. Oh, goodness gracious. Thank you, guys. Yeah. So love. They were both. I've met them. Yeah. Both. You've met Matt and Perry. Yep. Yep. Yes. They're getting married in August in Lexington. Fantastic. So I'll oh, be there for that. Oh, you have to be so excited, Patrick. Yeah. Were you invited? I was. <laughs> believe it or not, I was invited to the wedding. Wow. Uh, there was a bit of a family row, however, because... Matt thought it would be a great idea to divide his bachelor party into A and B teams or varsity and JV teams. So the varsity slash A team just had their bachelor party, I think, a week or two ago. And that's with all of his friends. And then the B team backup JV squad, which is me. His brothers and uh, his oh, future brother in law. His brothers didn't even make no, the No, his brothers A-team. didn't even make the A team. And we're coming in. Wow. We're bringing up the rear for oh. JV bachelor party. That is so rude. Yeah, it was quite a blow to all of our egos. I'm sure. He, he, you... <laughs> he is adamant about the fact that this is not an A team versus B team, but it's really hard not to see that. 
it's really hard not yeah, to see it as such. Yeah, it's hard not to think of you guys as the losers. I'm sorry, Patrick. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, yeah, the losers bracket, like in a tournament. <laughs> yeah, the NIT tournament yeah. or something like that. Well, yeah. Matt and Perry, thank you so much for sponsoring the show. Yes. We really appreciate it. They have us really... drinking margaritas. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's information here. Yes, there's and a little I'm bit of information. Margarita. Yeah, so, so they have tasty. us drinking margaritas. Um, Matt, I don't, Matt didn't give me Perry's favorite artsy movie, but Matt's favorite artsy movie is Amoros Perros. Oh, uh, I don't really care for that film, but that's okay. Oh, you don't? I love Amoros Perros. Not really. Hmm, interesting. Not an Inuritu fan? I don't like dogs getting hurt. Yes. Well, that is a tough, that's a tough part of the, um, of the film for sure. Uh, and then they listen from Nashville, Tennessee, Matt, uh, slash Morty, typically listens in his woodworking shed and Perry typically Great. listens uh, in her car as she's going Fantastic. from place to place as she's whipping around town. <laughs> whipping around, around Nashville? Town. Yeah, whipping around Nashville. Very good. Well, thank you guys. And if anybody else wants to sponsor the show, uh, you can Venmo Patrick at Patrick-Mallon. $10 to sponsor an episode, no drink prescription. $25 to prescribe a drink. Like the margarita, which I just finished. I might need to get another one. It's very <laughs> I know, tasty. I'm almost done too. <laughs> uh, so yes, please. It really helps the show. The show is a lot of work, and it really just helps us with production of the show. Um, Patrick, we do have a new five star review this week, and I'm very excited Ooh, about it. Cool. It's from Jonathan Zachary. Ooh, do you know him? No, I don't think so. He said the name Casey, sounds kind of familiar. Oh, I know a, a sh- I know a Kyle Zachary. Mm, maybe it's his brother. You Maybe. He said, Casey and Patrick love the show. I discovered Fart House about a year ago. I had just seen Belle de Jour and was searching for podcast episodes on it. You two crack me up and your friendship warms my little heart. I'd love to see a farty scale chart to see where each film lands compared to the others. Keep up the great work. What a nice review that That's was. That's a great view. Great review. Thank you so much, Jonathan Zachary. Um, it really helps the show to get a five-star review. It brings us out of the sludge of all those other shitty movie podcasts. Morass, there are the plenty. Swamp. The swamp, drain the swamp, people. <laughs> um, so that is fantastic. Really appreciate it. I do um, want to add too. Uh, yes. this, I've actually kind of the fartsy scale chart where each film land compared to the others. That's something that's kind of been on the back of my brain for a while, and something I've wanted to do um, at some point. I've been kind of a lazy bastard, but that is something I want to do. I, want, I there's a lot of things I want to do with the show to make it more interactive and data driven. Uh, yeah. So like. Look- a database online yeah something like that for every film ever made yeah like no 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 for ours oh i see i see yeah that that we that we chat about yeah we could start with a google sheet and then maybe i could do some data visualization with i don't Mm, know call it tableau but you remember we need to give morty a bit of credit because a while back he actually did this legwork for us and sent us a nice email oh that's right that's right yeah so maybe i'll have uh, more our apprentice uh, do some data wrangling for us and we'll get to that that. what he is (laughs) yeah he's our Our apprentice apprentice? now (laughs) we should we should have an official apprenticeship with our show (laughs) yeah not even an internship an apprenticeship apprenticeship. (laughs) yeah uh well that's fantastic love to hear that patrick yes let's move on here to the letterboxed rundown how was your week terrible because i was busy oh yeah i know i didn't watch a thing (laughs) you know well i was gone i had a padre game thursday mexico friday saturday sunday recuperation last night watching the movie really i had barely any time at all to watch anything yes and all those books you're probably reading too yes actually i did finish a book recently oh really was it stoner was not stoner huh Weren't you on assignment for that one? Uh, I've delegated that task to our oh, forthcoming okay. apprentice. Sure, sure, sure. That's part of the apprenticeship. Some right. summer reading, you know, like uh, for the apprenticeship. Yeah, put there. together a book report on Stoner for me. That's sure, the first sure, sure. task of our apprentice. Uh, well, I'm going to go through my movies real quick then, if that's okay. okay. Yeah, please do. Okay, first up, we saw this movie called Save Yourselves, which I really loved. It's like a millennial couple goes to the cabin and doesn't realize there's an alien invasion. Mm. Uh, It's got John Reynolds from uh, Search Party, if you are familiar with him. And it also has Sunita Mani, who is from Glow. They're this great couple, really reminded me of Trisha and myself. It was they even said things that like we said in real life. It was very funny. And the alien invasion, the aliens that are invading are these like cute little poofs. And uh, it's really a really charming movie. I really. What do you mean it. a poof? What do you mean? Like, what is it? Like, if you think of like just like a like cloud a little, of gas. 
No, it's like a little fuzzy poof ball. Okay. Like a little, like the size of like a Shih Tzu. And are they basically. antagonistic? Are they trying to kill this? Yeah, they're killing people. Okay. But they're like literally like just this like blob, but it's like fluffy. It's mm. really funny. I really enjoyed it. So you it's, check uh, it, it, you're kind of unsuspecting if you come across one of these things because they look that's exactly cute. right mm, okay you think like oh they're harmless but they're not uh also watched risky business which i've never seen before mm, great movie uh really enjoyed it didn't realize it was so sexual yes that's the that's the feedback i mostly hear from people when they see it for the first time and that was my takeaway from it too it's much more um adult than yeah. i think i had expected when i first saw it which is interesting because I don't really necessarily think of Tom Cruise as sexual. He's kind of sexless in mm-hmm. a lot of his movies. I would say Risky Business and uh, Eyes Wide Shut are his like two most sex-filled movies. But a lot of his other ones, I well, feel like he doesn't also, even kiss anybody. I mean, Jerry Maguire, he's the romantic lead. Yeah, but, it, it, but it's but more of like a romance than a maybe sexy Maybe I'm thinking guy. more recently. Mm, I just okay. can't think of him in a romantic way. It's kind of like The Rock. You yeah. know, like you can't imagine The Rock having <laughs> yeah. a kissing scene. That's no. kind of how I think of Tom Cruise now. Yeah. You know, the Risky Business is the first time. I, there's the Fabergé egg in Risky Business, right? It's not a Fabergé oh, egg, what but is it, it is a glass egg okay. on the on the the mantle. That I thought I, that was the first time I had ever been exposed or heard of the Fabergé egg as a even though that's not what it expensive is. Expensive thing. As it's an expensive an thing, yeah. Like yeah. An, or a, like as uh, house decor. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I didn't think I was going to like it that much, but I thought it was really good. Cool. Um, then we also, we're kind of on a Tom Cruise kick, I guess, but then we watched Mission Impossible, the first one. I haven't seen that since like 1996. Yeah, I haven't and seen that in forever. It held up. I thought it was really good. I had a great time. Was I don't know it? what to say. I remember seeing it in probably... I actually saw Mission Impossible 2 uh, first, the John Woo one. I have not seen that film. Okay. Yes. And I loved that, especially as a kid. That's a movie that just like really, really gets you going. I believe critically kid. that one is not beloved, but... No, I think it was pretty panned. It's a pretty much classic um, John Woo kind sure. of... Uh, corn cornball fest sure um so i liked that and then i remember watching mission impossible one a year or two later and i remember being i I liked it but i remember being kind of bored a little bit oh interesting it's much more like a spy film there's not as much action okay i think that's why i think because i expected something like mi2 and mission impossible the, the brian de palma one is is yeah it's a little bit more spy oriented yeah in mi2 Tom Cruise's hair is very long and flowing, which mm-hmm. is just so much more exciting than his, you know, crew cut haircut in Mission Impossible. Right. Mode, so that could have had something to do with it. Um, that's actually it. I'm done. Okay. That's a pretty good week. Do you have any to announce to us? No. I literally... Went oh, you have nothing? No. no. Wow. Yeah. Pathetic. Fart. Let's move on to okay. the show. Yes. Patrick... Our show is Fart House. We watch the artsiest, fartsiest films that you can pretend you did. Today, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's called, the movie is called Orlando. 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 I love you, Orlando. SeaWorld and Disney and Pod Pod Golfing. Have you ever seen uh, The Book of Mormon? Yes. uh, He Who Will Not Be Named. Uh, took me to see the Book of Mormon some number of years ago at the um, what's that theater in Hollywood? The, the Pantages. Pantages, yeah, the Pantages. There's a song in there called Orlando. Orlando. Oh yeah, because that's where they go, right? Uh, the no, that's where he wants. Oh, that's to where go. he wants it's his to favorite go. City. That's, Anyways, that's right. doesn't matter. Um, we will discuss Orlando and we will subject it. it has nothing to do with the city, Orlando. No. Uh, <laughs> we'll discuss it and subject it to our proprietary fartsy test, which determines just how impenetrable this movie really is. And since we're talking about Orlando, let's get right into it. Orlando is a 1992 film directed by Sally Potter, starring Tilda Swinton as Orlando, and. Now, Orlando is a kind of androgynous man, a fop, if you will. A dandy. Uh, A dandy, and he is a very wealthy aristocrat. I I don't know what you'd even call him. A lord? Is he a lord? He's got a big castle. Yeah, aristocrat, some sort of wealthy 
landowner in yes he's he's of high status in england and like and what like early 17th century late 16th 1600 century. remember the movie starts in 1600 mm -hmm. yes and uh the queen elizabeth visits his property with his parents and queen elizabeth played by quentin crisp do you know who that is patrick i've heard that name before and he's kind of like a Mark Twain, uh, David Sedaris type. He was like a writer, actor, raconteur, as they say. Mm -hmm. He plays Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, not the the another character who is playing the opposite gender in this. Um, and Queen Elizabeth takes a liking to Orlando, and she bequeaths him all of her like property, I guess. And she says it's on one condition: you may not age, you may not wither. You, so basically Queen Elizabeth is like, Orlando, you're not allowed to get old. And Orlando's like, okay. This seems like a pretty good Sounds deal. Good. Pretty good. Yeah, it seems like a pretty good deal. It's like, I, I guess be, I, I can do that. You got to be mega wealthy and you got to stay like 18 for 300 years. Yeah, you years. have to stay 18. I'm sorry. Those are the rules. And Orlando is like, okay. And so the rest of the film takes place over the next 400 years. And it is kind of the adventures of Orlando trying to find love meaning at some point he's in love with this russian uh i don't know aristocrat and she breaks his heart yeah it so seems like it was some sort of diplomatic mission the russians were visiting the english and there was yes, trying to broker some love, sort of falls in love with this russian woman yeah he gets his heart broken he becomes an ambassador to um a middle eastern country i'm actually not sure which one i think it but, was the ottoman empire so i think it yeah, was the ottoman empire yeah. so he spends like a couple decades or a decade in Who knows the Ottoman Empire because Orlando doesn't age. And then at a certain point, because Orlando, he kind of has an existential crisis because he has to fight in a war. Mm -hmm. Orlando turns into a woman. But he, at first and, he falls asleep for like seven days. Yes. But he turns into a woman and then Orlando is now a woman and like has had a full body change I guess. And what's magically. the quote that Orlando has at that time? Orlando I'm going to drop this... it in right here. Same person. No difference at all. Just a different sex. What did you Something think of like the that. breaking of the fourth wall with Orlando I addressing us? I like the breaking us? of the fourth wall. One Me of my too. notes is uh, Ferris Bueller question mark. <laughs> this is very popular in the Bueller 80s. Vibe, yeah. <laughs> this movie is very funny and kind of quirky. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like the office turned to the camera by Orlando. Yeah. Um. But yes, Orlando is now a woman and she, you know, at the first half of the movie, Orlando, the man is kind of a boorish asshole and is like, huh, women's they're so weak. And then when Orlando becomes a woman, she's like, Oh my God, men are awful and stupid. And like women have like, uh, do not have the same rights. And this absolutely sucks. Yeah. And um, so then she goes through the rest of the movie as a woman and falls in love, has a child. And it's kind of episodic in a way. And it's broken up by chapters like sex, poetry, death, uh, other ones like mm -hmm. that. Uh, and that's it. That's the movie, and it's great. I loved it. It's not a particularly um, straightforward. It's it's you know kind of as we've discussed with other movies, kind of like it's nothing like Jacques Tati's Playtime, but it's a linear narrative. But it's also I've heard it referred to as an anti-narrative because there really isn't much of a actual uh, story per se. It is like no. you said, it's just episodic. It's kind of like um like a Gulliver's Travels. A yeah, little bit. it is very much like that. Very much like that, and the tone is very funny mm -hmm. i feel like it's it's not a comedy but it almost is it is played for comedy in a lot of the scenes yeah it reminded like. me a little bit of um the favorite a little bit yorgos lanthimos yes i can totally favorite. see that the favorite it reminded me of the cook the thief his wife and her lover yeah just in terms of it's like elegance because the costumes and the setting it's a beautiful film so very beautiful. elaborate and epic um, also reminded me of this movie. I don't know if you've seen this. It's called The Tale of Tales. No, I haven't seen like that. It came out like 2014 or 15. It's an Italian film with Selma Hayek. Oh. And uh, you should watch it. It's it's something else. It, it, it has to do more with like Italian mytho I guess mythology or like I haven't even fairy heard of tales, that. How did of. you it's come good. across this? I don't know. It's a movie. Well, I'd like you to know how you came across it. 
I don't know how I came across it. I'm in touch with cinema. I don't know what else you want me to say. Uh, but Patrick, I must ask you, do you own this movie and have you seen it before? No, I don't own it. And no, I, I hadn't really kind of seen it before. So I have a little uh, somewhat not particularly interesting background. But I remember seeing the preview for this movie um, a few times at the New Art Theater in West L.A. Hmm. And I remember being really intrigued by it. And for some reason, I remember the preview running around the same time as the Cree Master Cycle. Have you heard of this? Yeah, I, yeah, I know the Cree Master Cycle. It does sort of feel this is not grotesque at all. Yeah, no. at all. But the Cree Master Cycle also has like sort of like British royalty. Right. There's a lot of sort, sort of, of like Renaissance imagery yeah. and um yeah, 17th century sort of art influence. Um, yeah. And yeah, like a regal influence. So anyways, I kind of like in my mind conflated them like a little bit. And then so I see that. one day in college, um, a friend of mine rent a friend of mine and I rented it from Cinephile, which is right next door to the new art. And we put it on at his apartment and there was a bunch of people over and we didn't like it was on, but we didn't really watch it. So oh, it yeah, like, yeah, it's like one so of those this was the first art house times, movies. Yeah, it's a very classic. It feels like the kind of movie you have to see. It feels like kind of like a cool movie, you know, to see, especially in college. It feels like, oh, yeah. you want to see like Orlando? It's like Tilda Swinton in one of her first big roles. And Well, Tilda Swinton, I was going to say, I feel like she could play this character now. She's like so timeless and eternal like Orlando. Mm-hmm. She's like, she looks the exact same and she looks like an alien. Right, and, and she's had the androgynous look for for her entire yes. life pretty much too or at yes. least all of her performing life yes it i mean this is a bizarre movie and what i've talked about but it's not like i don't know sometimes weird art house movies make you feel icky and this never made me feel icky it made me feel happy mm-hmm. there's definitely you know some I mean? some sort of like melancholy sure moments but there yeah there was nothing that felt like particularly um, dark or nihilistic about this movie. Um, yeah. It definitely was kind of like a meditation on existence and kind of like what's the Ooh, point yeah. of life, you know, in a way. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because especially, especially in the um, the first half, as uh, when Orlando is a man, uh, remember there's this whole sequence where he's trying to get into poetry. Yes, I love that part. It's so good, and he enlists the. I don't know, the instruction or the tutelage of some famous English poet. I don't know if it was a... Green is his name. Yeah, I can't remember I think it was, his name. Was it Nick Green? Or am I yeah, making I it the Nick? Yeah, I think that's right. And Nick Green, or this po- this poetry teacher, basically, or this famous poet, would kind of tease Orlando for his, his poetry not being like that good and would kind of give him shit <laughs> well he's an asshole he's, he's like asshole. i need money to be able to be a poet and then orlando's like i'll give you money if you are like we'll read some of my poetry yeah. and he's like oh yes I do that for <laughs> yeah. you. and then he's like mocking the poetry that's one of the reasons that orlando like becomes a an ambassador yeah. because he's doesn't he's pissed off right he was about, so discouraged and irritated about like his his career as a poet that he, and what a life that he can you can <laughs> you can abandon trying to become a poet and then just decide you're going to become an ambassador to the ottoman empire yes something that comes up a lot is well I, I, there's kind of a mirror thing at the beginning you know orlando falls in love with the russian woman and he's like you're mine and the Russian woman's like, why am I yours? And Orlando's like, because I desire you. And I feel like this really does examine that, like, men feel entitled to women just because they feel a certain way about them. And then later in the movie, when Orlando is a woman, this sleazy old guy's like, <laughs> yeah. I want, you will be my wife. And she's like, why? <laughs> it's like, because I desire you. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, oh, Archduke. That's a very kind view, yes. I cannot accept. But I... I am England. And you are mine. I see. On what grounds? That I adore you. And this means that I belong to you? You're refusing me? I am. I'm sorry. I loved this movie. Yeah. I was just had you totally seen, had you seen it before? It. No, I had never seen it before. And I'd seen snippets and I was like, oh, this looks kind of like, this seems like a laugh. But it was just, it really is an efficient movie too. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, an yeah. hour and a half and it covers like 400 years and like 
they really get down to brass tacks. It's like, I'm Orlando and I want to find love. And then like the queen comes in and is like, you must live forever. That's like yeah. within like the first like <laughs> two minutes of the movie. And yeah. you're like kind of like ready to go. Like, okay, this is the whole movie here. You it know? reminded me a little bit of Aronofsky's The Fountain. Have you seen Darren Aronofsky's yes. The Fountain? Um, as it's I this... don't care for that film. Oh, really? I, I really love The Fountain. And I can see why people would not like it or think it's kind of pretentious and maybe vacuous. But I thought it was pretty powerful. And I, uh, I That's the it. last movie I double dipped at a movie theater went bought one ticket watched that movie and then went into another movie and watched another Ooh. movie what was the you first ever done that one before patrick i i i feel like i probably have but i can't remember having done it a single time um, yeah patrick i want you to guess what my other uh, uh, the movie i saw with it it was in theaters at the exact same time as the fountain which was 2006 stranger than fiction with will ferrell no i did see that in theaters though when that came out it was this the other movie was a huge movie and a sequel just came out last year. Fast and Furious. No. What is it? Borat. Borat. You did a Borat and Borat uh, Fountain and the Fountain, fountain was second, feature. I believe, and I was like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> Where Fountain is more of a quote unquote straight forward love story i think this is you know definitely the like is not a straightforward love story. no 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 like, i think straightforward in the sense is it's you know a romantic it's a romantic tale it's a romantic love story between two people it, uh, straightforward in that respect patrick did you like uh i want to go back to the poet real quick mm, he said mm-hmm. so, he had a lot of good lines nick green the same actor also played the publisher at the end of the movie i don't know yes. if you noticed that yeah uh nick green he he said basically you remember we watched that movie i believe it was mother's day where there was like this asshole guy <laughs> yeah. and he was like i just have so much art in me you remember that that <laughs> yeah. quote was that from mother's day or that was April? mother's day uh-huh. mother's day and then in this too he was like i'm i just wish i was so, so sensitive i just <laughs> i'm so sensitive i can feel a rose leaf through my mattress in short i'm a piece of machinery so finely made and curiously put together that it confounds me to think that i've only sold 115 copies of my poem but it has to be said that this is largely due to what can only be described as a conspiracy against me. I feel so many things that you can't even comprehend. I just... <laughs> there is, that reminds me, there was a particular line too, which was not really played for laughs. It was like a um, when she was trying to court Princess Sasha. And Sasha can tell that Orlando is kind of down. And and um, Orlando says something to the effect of nothing Nothing thicker than a knife's blade separates melancholy from happiness. Nothing thicker than a knife's blade separates melancholy from happiness. Why are you sad? Because... Because I can't bear this happiness to end. And I felt seen, Case. I, yes, I'm sure you yeah. did, Patrick. <laughs> I felt seen. I feel like I saw you in that moment as well. <laughs> yeah, you it, could have superimposed my face on this, Orlando's. <laughs> this movie is really funny at like the performative sensitivity of men. Yeah. And like just being like, oh, I'm just, I'm down, babe. I need some extra. <laughs> like it's yes. just, it's like, that is like so, that is several characters in this movie that are, they're just like, so like I just feel so many things more than other people you wouldn't understand and like the women are supposed to like coddle these men right. you know like help them because they're so they feel so much more than regular exactly. people exactly and I think this movie is very conscious of that sort of inherent irony that um you know that men kind of <laughs> perceives perceive themselves as the rocks or the foundation or the yes. kind of sturdy ones and this movie does a good job of juxtaposing um <laughs> juxtaposing the fact that that's just not totally true because uh it's been established that in a way princess sasha is kind of she's kind of the more stronger of the two like more emotionally stronger seems to yes. be the more sure of themselves seems to be more in control of who less she is less neurotic less neurotic yeah and then later in the film uh it's almost like 
too on the nose, but I think they're really driving home the point is when Orlando uh, has has um, transitioned into a woman and she comes before the uh, before the poets and the poets are just like trashing women. They're just like they're like large children or yes. women have no desires, only affectations. Every woman is at best a contradiction. And it's just like all these awful things. And then um Orlando said something. Oh, she challenges on this. She's like, but you, all of you women are your muses. Like, I don't understand this. It's like, yeah, yeah you, you claim to be inspired by women. And they're like, we have the utmost respect for women, but without a man to guide them <laughs> through this world, women are lost. And she's like, okay. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Cut to like every other scene of like a man just being completely like debilitated without the support of a woman you know yes yeah yeah it's uh it's just so funny well the one one other thing kind of in the context of the melancholy happiness knife's blade yes there was um this was <laughs> this was so funny because i feel like it was such a perfect encapsulation of of some of my anxieties and i think a lot of people yes. can feel this way some of the time um and it's princess sasha again basically this whole sequence i just felt like very seen mm-hmm. <laughs> and princess sasha says to orlando um you suffer in advance yes and it's because orlando is worried about their happiness ending you know she's enjoying their time so much and she's she's having trouble enjoying the time with the happiness because she's so worried about it ending yes it's like that is me with the sunday scaries and with a lot of other things but with sundays it's like it's so hard for me sometimes to enjoy a, a nice sunday because i'm so worried about what's coming up on monday and the weekend being over it really did. It re- yeah, Orlando in the beginning of the movie is a young man and he has these kind of like, I'm more sensitive, I'm special, more unique than other people. Mm-hmm. And like the women that he has to like deal with, they're like, what the fuck? What's wrong with you? Stop worrying. Like <laughs> yeah. calm down and stop being so performative with your emotions. And Sasha says to Orlando like, you are too serious, but also not serious enough. Yes. And I think yeah. that's like, that is like such a young, I just feel like, that's how I was. Like everything mm-hmm. was so life or death or serious. But then also I wasn't mature at the same time. Like I took things so seriously. Everything was so serious when I was in my early twenties. But also I wasn't a serious person. Right, like I was exactly. like not mature actually... enough to handle anything, you know? Right. It's like at that time, like people don't actually Right. Everything seems very serious, but you're not actually taking care of things as if they were serious situations. Yeah. yeah. It's like you perceive everything as so serious, but you're not, <laughs> you're the decisions that you make uh, don't necessarily reflect that. <laughs> it's interesting. She there's the, the a lot of the like loves in this or a lot of the men that they encounter in this movie are like different types of. I, maybe not toxic men, but like baby men. Yeah, baby men. And like men. The, la- the last one she meets, which is like most men, basically. Billy Zane. Mo- <laughs> meets Billy Zane, who does seem to respect Orlando as a woman. It seems uh-huh. like it's the first man where it's like, oh, you're an equal because it, like you're a woman, you're my equal, that's fine. But then- <laughs> And just for frame of reference, too, we're about in middle of 19th century, like 1850s yeah. or 1860s. And so it sort of seems like, oh, maybe Orlando's found her mate. Or like someone she could spend her life with. And she's like, let's have a baby. Let's get like, let's hang out. Let's get married. Like, I really like you. This is great. And Billy Zane's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on. Hang on. I, was, I, 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 I care about liberty. I don't, I, I can't be, I can't get married to you. And it's like, it's like, oh my God. Like, yeah, he's just like this. Um, We've seen this kind of guy in contemporary times too. He's oh, like. very much so. He's like oh, this sort of. I feel of, like I've seen this guy in Venice all the time. Oh, exactly. He's the, he's the you know prototypical he's Venice boy. fuck boy. Yeah. Oh, he's a fuck boy. He's like but a he's Gen like X at least. Ven- Venice fuck boy. He's Maybe a, kind of respectable in terms of <laughs> some ways, but it's also like you can't commit to anything. You're like a baby. You don't want to do like you have no. Yeah. You know, a lot of times in society, men aren't held accountable. Like he doesn't have to be held accountable because he's a man. Right. You know, it's like in Orlando asks, asks Billy Zane's character at one point, And what's his, his name is like Shelmer Dean or something like that. It's yeah. It's, it's funny. It's, name. Um, funny name. Shelmer Dean. Is it Shelmerdine? Yeah, Shelmerdine. Yeah, Shelmerdine. And Orlando in this sort of like, I don't know, 
post-coital or pre-coital conversation. It's like, so you're an adventurer? He's like, no. He's like, so you're an explorer? He's like, no, my profession is the pursuit of liberty. And it's just like, oh my God, like jack off motion. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh and he's like, God. and she's like, so that's your job? And he's like, I wouldn't call it my yeah. job necessarily. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, shut up. It's so annoying. Uh, you haven't read this book. It's a novel by Virginia Woolf. No, I. the only thing I've read by... Um, Virginia Woolf was um, To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. That's what I've read. Um, and then, you know, of course, there's Mrs. Dalloway. Did you see The Hours? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah. and That's, that's like uh, the only Virginia Woolf related material. Related thing, I think. It's funny, with. like in the in the uh, in the Wikipedia, they're like, there were several anachronistic things in the movie Orlando. And they're like, I feel like they're so uh nitpicky with oh, like yeah. timelines of things where it's like queen anne wasn't actually the queen when that gift was given to orlando <laughs> and it's like that's i hate i love theater and i feel like this felt very theatrical mm-hmm. in terms of breaking the fourth wall and also just taking liberties with the story it's like i get so sick and tired of things needing to be perfectly accurate yeah you know and i and remember none of another one of them too i was also reading this too another thing was there is a um a line of poetry or a, an excerpt of poetry that was quoted that was not published until 20 something years after when uh, it, was it was quoted in the movie. When it was quoted in the movie. <laughs> it's like, why even have that? That's so annoying. It's just, uh, there was something though, I feel like I had a quote here about uh, Potter. She was like, my task was to find a way of remaining true to the spirit of the book whilst being ruthless was changing the book in any way necessary to make it work cinematically. The, the immediate changes were structural. The storyline was simplified and any events which did not significantly further Orlando's story were dropped. And I feel like that's just how I just hate adaptations where it's like, that's not how it happened in the book. Yeah. It's like, shut up. Without this having read the book, this seems like a really good adaptation because yeah, of how good of a absolutely. movie it is. Yeah, I think that's if it's a good movie. I hate when people are like, actually, like if something sucks in the movie, they're like, actually, that's how it happened in the book. And then it's like, oh, okay, then it didn't suck. I yeah. for, I'm a stupid. Well, it's you like know? Kubrick's it, The Shining. The Shining is nothing really. I mean, if there's there's some there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap between the book and the movie Kubrick's version. But I mean, it's also quite a departure from the book too. Like First Cow, I don't think that really is very similar to the book it came from it's Adapt- like one little adaptation part of it. the orchid thief adaptation yes <laughs> another one patrick we have to move on to the fartsy test all right, right now i'm this gonna second. have a good attitude about it because you give me shit when i don't have a good attitude so let's go mm, next time don't even bring up that i give you shit the best kind of attitude would just be to not comment on it here we go Uh, okay, the fartsy test is used to determine the fartsiness of a movie, which is our scale that gauges how impenetrable, unapproachable, and generally artsy fartsy a movie is. We continually add and subtract from this list. It's a living document, much like the Constitution, but much more important. Patrick, does the first five minutes of the movie make you question whether or not your volume is working? Hmm. No, I think I don't we remember. hear that guy singing pretty early on. They're on like some... Sort of- <laughs> that, was a- <laughs> that also reminded me of the cook, the thief, uh, yes, his wife and her the- lover. <laughs> yes this is very high-pitched angelic uh, angelic yes singing. falsetto falsetto singing. yeah um is there suicide i don't think so i don't think so there i don't even know if anybody dies i think in, in the film there, in during the that sort of, of battle when oh yeah when orlando a guy and, yeah this is a very theatrical movie i loved it uh, yeah, I don't think there's suicide. No, I don't think there's suicide. This movie is about an exploration of life, not death. Yeah. Um, would you call this a life-affirming movie? I actually would. Me I too. do love the idea because it is like, if you lived for eternally, what's the point of life? And I feel like this Orlando, makes a good case for it. <laughs> yeah, I think. And I feel like Orlando is always searching. I think that's actually the point. It's and always like learning. Orlando is always searching and trying to better herself and uh, trying to find answers. And it's like the search is the most important, you mm-hmm. know? And I think, yeah, because sometimes when you ask people, and, and maybe this is the correct answer, I don't know. But sometimes when you ask people, would you want to live forever? I feel like most people would say no. Hmm. Um you know, or they'd like to die at, I don't know, 80 or 90, whatever the higher end of the average lifespan is. The people who say they'd want to live forever are the people who should not be living forever, I feel like. I mean, well, I'm, 
uh, maybe then I shouldn't live forever. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to live forever. You want to live forever, Patrick? I don't know if I want to live forever, but I do. I I wouldn't want to keep aging. I wouldn't want to just keep aging and aging and aging. If I could, I, like I would Orlando, not want to live in a world knowing that you like were an eternal entity. Why? What, that would freak you out. Yeah, it'd freak me out. I don't like it. Why? You always there. But you wouldn't be there, be so, so it wouldn't matter. Cocky about it too. I wouldn't huh? be cocky. I don't know. We don't know that. I, I just think keep you living. Would be cocky. I think you would. You but how really do I know this? <laughs> I don't know that I am. I just kind of keep going. Yeah, I don't think you. Have you ever seen this? I've seen. Have you ever read this book, Jitterbug Perfume? No, it's that. Is that Tom Robbins? Also, do I look really greasy to, yeah. on my? I look really greasy right now. You look a little greasy, but we're not gonna explore that right now. Okay. Uh, Tom Robbins, yes, Patrick. It's really good. It's it sounded all about like a lip. Tom Robbins title. Yeah. that's. Did you know that that was a Tom Robbins book? I must have known somewhere deep in the back of my mind. That was impressive. Because it sounds like... I love like, that book. Yeah. It's I have all not about, read that book. You should read that. That's my, I think that might be my favorite book of his. I've read three. I've only read even Cowgirls Get the Blues. I love that book. I think I like Jitterbug Perfume more. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, but yes, highly recommend Jitterbug Perfume. It's about a bunch of people trying to search for eternal life. And some people are successful in that book. So you you wouldn't want to live forever, even if you stayed at like thirty four forever. I don't know. I think uh, because I think I kind of would like to live forever, actually. Yeah, because I think we keep. There's just no you. You'll will never. Human beings will never be perfect, no matter what. So there's always something to work on to refine. um, No matter how many years you live, like I feel like looking back at myself, I feel like I've become a better person, worked on myself, and I really like where I am, but I also see that I have so far to go, too. Yeah. And it's like... And if, I've got some notes for you, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I guess I'll hold off on those. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting eternity. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? It seemed to me like Orlando kind of enjoyed it. Like It's interesting, too, because she loses the palace. Like, all the stuff that the queen gave her... She was like, you can have this as long as you live forever. And so she lost the stuff that was promised. So there was no incentive necessarily to live forever. But she kept doing it because it felt mm-hmm. good. And she do you think, I, I wonder how much autonomy she had over that. Like, I, <laughs> was there any... In the book, I know she eventually dies. Um, uh, spoiler alert, Jesus. <laughs> it's a, what was it, published in 1928? Ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> Yeah, right, it was whatever. Oh, it's so about she to be in the in public the domain in seven years. <laughs> uh, we could remake it. <laughs> she dies in the book. I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. But yeah, it seemed like uh, it seemed like Orlando was enjoying it because she was always searching, trying to improve. It seemed like mm-hmm. it is funny. It's like the last hundred and fifty years are like five minutes in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. There's because a very brief the... period where she seems to be in World War One for like ninety seconds. <laughs> yeah, she's pregnant, but then the baby is born, and it's like the year 1992. So yeah, maybe the know? baby has this. It's a hereditary trait now. Instead of aging very fast, aging very slowly, aging very slowly. So it's not a Benjamin <laughs> Button because it's not going backwards. Yeah, it's going forwards just very slowly. Yes, it's the opposite, Jack. <laughs> what exactly. do you think of the movie, Jack? You know, I don't remember that movie very well. I remember... Does he die at the end of that movie? Yeah, he Bill dies. Bill Cosby's in that movie. I he remember. dies. So, at, towards the end of the movie, he he's graduating high school and he looks like he's like 80 years old. Uh-huh. And, and then I don't... I can't remember if it actually sh- like shows him like on his deathbed or if it's sort of like an epilogue sort of thing. But yeah, he's he, he dies at the end. Okay. I don't need to it's see like that like Bicentennial movie Man. <laughs> what is it? Robin Williams has these strange... <laughs> <laughs> he has an odd filmography, doesn't he? Toys is another strange one. Yeah. Flubber. Um, Flubber. Uh, I can even... I, can, I feel like I can... Flubber is at least like a Disney yeah, movie. Yeah, Flubber is like, like actually... In terms of other things, it's not that strange. <laughs> Jack. But, but Toys, Patch Bicentennial Adams. Man, Jack, and Patch <laughs> Uh, death to smoochie yeah he's got some interesting stuff there interesting well anyways where the hell are we are there images that seem to be edited in a non-linear fashion that creates confusion and possibly epilepsy there are some like maybe more uh random images edited together to kind of create a mood but nothing crazy nothing crazy yeah it's pretty straightforward Mm -hmm. um does someone masturbate? Is there a penis in this movie? Shockingly, there is not a penis in this no. movie. 
One oh. would have thought. It was PG-13, which I thought was interesting because yeah. there's a full nude shot of Tilda Swinton. Oh, yeah, of Tilda. But I guess because it was non-sexual, it was just... Com- I guess that's interesting kind of a- because, you know, Titanic was PG-13 and there's a topless scene. I feel like a topless scene now would automatically get an R. Yeah, I feel like we're weirdly regressing the MPAA. I feel like a top... I agree. I feel like a topless scene would automatically get an R. Maybe we're wrong, but I think that would be the case. But also, as we've talked about on this podcast and as has been discussed on film Twitter, it's like movies are increasingly devoid of any sort of sexuality. Um, yes, it is. It is very. There's like rarely a kissing scene now. Mm-hmm. You know, like even like even though this isn't good either, like at the end of every action movie, like the man and the woman would be like come here, babe. And yeah. they make out at the end of the movie. And it was like, oh, they were supposed to be a couple. There was like no indication <laughs> up until them making out at the end that there would be, which isn't necessarily good either, but there was just much more smooching. I felt like. Yeah. And even in this movie, there was, there is a, it wasn't a, a movie about romance per se, but I, I was um, kind of moved by, uh, there's a particular scene with, uh, with Orlando and Billy Zane's character, Sh- Shermadine. <laughs> Remember in American Pie, the Shermanator? Yes, I remember the Shermanator, yes. <laughs> With uh, Orlando and the Shermanator of Orlando, uh-huh. where she has uh, her head on his chest, and it feels like a particularly tender, romantic yeah. scene that kind of affected me more so That's than... That's the most romantic part in the movie, because there isn't actually any other romance or like... No, because her courtship of Sasha feels so juvenile. It feels so Yeah, I think they smooch, teenage. but it's not... It's brief. It's mostly like hand holding and yeah. It just feels like down Will you be my knees. girlfriend. This is my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Are there topics, images, or behaviors that go beyond what would be considered acceptable in a mainstream film? Uh, not not really. It's not like a provocateur movie, but it is. It is. It's it's like an unusual film. You know what I mean. It is not very deliberate in explaining the two magic things that mm-hmm. happen. Right. Which are, Orlando's like, okay, I'll just live forever. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's very brief. Like, he's like, you, you'll you get this if you just don't age. And Orlando's like, cool, I can do that. Yeah. And then that's it. Like, there's no <laughs> other explanation needed. And other people in the movie don't question, like, why are you not aging? It's yeah. just, like, accepted. And then also the, yeah, changing from a man to a woman physically mm-hmm. uh, overnight is also not really explained. So right. that's sort of yeah, it's yeah, just kind of unusual. And you know what? Too in the context of this film, too, you know the peripheral characters who are kind of who know Orlando and see Orlando as they're kind of unfazed by it. It's just like oh, okay, yeah, shockingly unfazed. Yeah. Like that is something that is like actually shocking that people don't seem to have like a problem with Orlando changing into a woman. Right. That it's is just like, it was just like a fact of their lives. Yes. It's like, okay, Orlando was a man. Now Orlando's a woman. Okay. Were that it were so simple in. I know. Seriously. It was almost like super progressive in that regard. Yeah. I mean, aside from the sort of like retrograde gender politics of women, not being yeah. able to like own property, but in terms of how they treated Orlando was like, I don't know. It was like, it was just natural. There was no, they nothing. weren't. It, yeah. But also maybe that's saying something about wealth too. It's like, if you're wealthy enough, anybody mm, will accept you mm-hmm. for whatever you're, whatever you're doing. That's a good um, point too. I think that's definitely was part of it. Um, okay. Is the movie over two hours? Can you start watching this after 8 PM without falling asleep? It's, it's like an hour and a half. I think it's like hour 34 and it moves along. So I almost feel like you could start watching this after 8 PM. I have a disturbing revelation. What's that? I fell asleep. <gasps> However, however... What time did you start it? Let me lay my case out. To the case? Around 8.25. Case to case. Started around 8.25. Mm. Um, and it hadn't been put subjected to the fartsy test, so you didn't know how dangerous of an activity you were embarking upon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I had no idea. I was, I was wading into waist-high water without knowing what my next step was going to be yeah. depth-wise. Uh, and I had a long weekend. I had a long fun weekend full of late nights i probably wasn't fully caught up on sleep sleep um so i did fall asleep but i do say you know it's an hour and 33 hour 34 
it's not i don't think it's a boring movie some folks could find it slow but it it moves did you fall asleep when orlando fell asleep for like seven days that would have <laughs> no. been kind of fun no i fell asleep a little bit later i when i was a child i'd watch mary poppins every day and then i'd we'd stop the movie when the kids went to sleep and i'd take my nap and then I would never watch the second half of the movie. So I've seen like the first half of Mary Poppins like a billion times and the la- the end of it like four times. What's your favorite song for Mary Poppins? Uh, step in time, step in time. <laughs> I like that song. I like that part. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, does it feel as if the filmmaker is intentionally trying to torture the audience? No, I th- this is a fun no. movie. This is a delight. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there an inordinate amount of milling about so much so that it could be retitled titled to the 2013 Jason Sudeikis comedy, We're <laughs> the Millers? There's some milling. I feel like it's pretty tight. I think there's some trans-century milling. I guess you could say that. Milling through the Milling through milling the oldies. Through, yeah. uh, <laughs> milling through the oldies. Milling through the decades. Especially, uh, I mean... There is a lot of like courtyard walking yeah, around. Yeah, like court- I mean, there's some Barry Lyndon vibes a little bit in the in the early going. She's running through that maze. I like that scene with her big dress. She's yeah. like, which that was a cool cut. That was a very cool cut. And I don't the outfits in that period, particularly for women, seem huge, so impractical and so unwieldy. I I don't understand. I guess it's. It's about a, it's about presentation. And so I think Orlando transformed into a woman around 1750, I want to say. And that was like the height of the tall white hair and the giant dresses. And it was like I felt for Orlando. 22 like, feet a, wide. What a time to become a woman when you have to wear this like giant tank of a dress. Yeah. It's enormous. I wonder how enormous. much that thing weighs. At least like I don't know. 40, 50. It's like, it's like a chain. It's like a suit of armor. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. Uh, would you rather read 10 pages of Infinite Jest and watch this movie? Not me. I love this movie. It's it's one of my new favorite movies of all time. I really, really, really like this movie. Uh, I would rather watch rather watch this movie. Except you fell asleep. A disturbing revelation. A disturbing a disturb- revelation does, does not mean anything. Dear listeners, do not read into that. Do not draw conclusions based on that information. I'm being simply transparent. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, okay, very good. Uh, Patrick, do you have a pretentious thing you could say about this movie? Yes. Uh, we've kind of already discussed it like a, f- a few different times. Life isn't necessarily about achieving a certain set of goals and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Life is about constantly learning and searching for meaning and while that sounds kind of scary to be constantly searching for meaning that's the whole process and that's the whole point and i think this movie does a really good job of affirming that and kind of making the daunting like life can seem daunting because you feel like you have to have everything figured out you feel like you have to have everything figured out and then once it's figured out then you can just kind of ride life out but then what's the point of it you know so this movie does a good job of um, showing that life is is about exploration and not so much about um, achievement. Yeah. This isn't really a pretentious thing that I'm going to say, but I think it's a funny point of this movie that it's like the paradox or the contradiction that men are like tough and like the foundation of society and, and like women are like sensitive, flighty, fairies but it like turns it on its head like men are actually the biggest babies in the world Mm -hmm. and men are the and women are the ones who are much more mature and i think that's true and uh it was true in 1600 and it's true now yeah i just feel like like men try to own being like more sensitive more artistic and more intelligent they try to own it and but they also try to own being tougher they try to own it all. All the good qualities they try to steal exactly. and own. Yeah. And they and well, as the poets say, all. they don't, they don't they don't give women any agency. The poets just see them as large children. Large children, yes. Patrick, what's your score for this movie? You ready for it? Yes. Seven point two. Seven point two. Wow, we're way we're way different today. Oh, what are you? I have eight point seven. Oh, okay. I thought about going higher. I thought about seven point six. Didn't do it though. Uh uh-uh. uh. 
So our score is 7.95. That 7. feels 2 good. 7.2 is still pretty high, though, because... Yeah. It's just the tone of this movie is so unusual. Mm-hmm. It is not a mainstream movie. No. And I think, you know, another rubric that we use that isn't officially part of the fartsy test, but it's like, would you put this movie on a, like a sleepover with your friends? And it sounded like you actually screaming? did do this in college and people did not like it. and didn't It's not so much it. that people didn't like it. It's just like people had other shit going on. It were was people like, like making out? No, no. It was drinking just like weird. alcohol in college? No, there's no alcohol. No, I didn't drink in college. Which is one of my, I think that's, what's the opposite of a badge of honor? That's what that is. Badge of shame? Badge of shame. I didn't yes. drink in college. Uh, I didn't really either. Yeah. Anyways, no, it wasn't like, it was just, it was people that didn't really know each other as much, you know? Like, we're like, friend. it was like people that I wrote for the Daily Bruin with, and then my friend's roommates, and it was just like, you know, it was just this kind of thing people kind of... might feel uncomfortable silence with each other so it's like people could just kind of chat and then people keep chatting and then no one's really paying attention to the movie you know what i mean yeah it's not i wouldn't say it's a party movie no it's not you should watch it with your little opera glasses although i do think um i mean maybe i'll say this about every movie from here on out but uh i do think this is a good movie that could be a good background movie too to play it's beautiful because just because it looks so good yeah Yes, this would be fun on a bar. I'd be like, what the fuck is this movie? Mm-hmm. What's going on? Yeah, especially because uh, it has sort of like, it has Tilda Swinton, so that's like an automatic talking point. You're like, oh, what's yes. this? Tilda, Tilda Swinton's in this? Tilda. Tilda. Patrick, do you have a drink pairing for us? All right, I do have a drink pairing, Casey. What is it? So this movie spans late 16th century, early 17th century, up until uh-huh. the early 90s. And that is roughly the timeline of pre-contemporary contemporary English beer. So for that reason, I'm going to go with a pairing for this film as a brown ale. Oh, uh, okay. Something a little bit more on the lower ABV side, something like the 4 to 5%. Cool, cool. Um, so the brown ale was first introduced mostly in the late 17th century uh the most popular example of it today is the newcastle brown ale the problem with the newcastle brown ale is it's too sweet um so it's not a great example of what they would have been drinking back then back then they would have had something a little bit more mild not necessarily bitter because they weren't particularly um highly hopped uh and they were also a little bit warmer you know there was no modern day refrigeration so um yeah i would go with like a nice english brown ale stinky brown ale a stinky brown i'd go with a stinky brown that's which is our the street name of our podcast for those who want to pirate it stop it you guys listen to the stinky brown (laughs) it's free people uh Patrick, next week we're starting our summer series, which we've had debate on calling. I said it should be called Wet Hot International Summer. You said it should be called something disgusting. What was I it said called? Fart House Presents Swamp Ass Summer. Fart House Swamp Ass Summer. I mm-hmm. don't like either of them, but I really don't like Swamp Ass Summer. I think it's I disgusting. I like yours, and I think the only thing that it's not even that I don't like it I just think there's I like wet hot blank summer I just don't know how I feel about wet hot international summer but it can't be American summer because none of these movies take place in no, America no I wouldn't want it to be wet hot American summer I suggested wet hot flatulent summer which you seemed less than enthused about um as that that uh, whatever <laughs> noise Let you just made let the decide we'll put up a poll we're everybody. gonna put up you a poll decide. on twitter uh, okay, very good. Anyways, wet, hot, international summer, maybe. Uh, <laughs> wet, hot, flash, swamp ass, whatever. Swamp, stop. Uh, next week, <laughs> and it will be, um, it will be, the first movie we're doing is Eric Romer's Claire's Knee. Ooh. I've never seen an Eric Romer movie. You're lucky. Uh, <laughs> are you excited to start? I feel the summer, it's getting, it's heating up, Patrick. Summer's here. How are you feeling about that? Feeling really good. I'm going to be uh, going to Maine soon. Ooh. So we're going to be doing some, uh, l- not live, but basically I'll be, we'll be broadcasting. Well, I'll be broadcasting from Maine. We'll do coast to coast broadcast. Wow. We're really going to, you're going to be up probably later. Yeah. I know. This. That's the downside. We're going to be recording pretty late for me. 
um, during well, you're that kind of a time. late. You're, would you say you're a night owl? Uh, typically, yeah, but I've you know I've been staying with my parents for a while now, and uh, I've kind of my schedule has it's sort of like anecdotally I've heard that sometimes when women live in the house same house together, sometimes their periods will align. And now my yeah. sleep schedule is aligning with my parents, so I've been going this to bed pretty early. This was a plot point on the show Married with Children, and I don't know if I can verify. Is it a if plot point on the facts of life too? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh. Well. Anyways, my nice. sleep schedule is lining with my parents, so I'm not. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm a night owl anymore. Hmm. I've been going to bed earlier and earlier. I've always been a morning kitty cat, whatever that is. Morning bird. Morning bird. Well, the hmm. early bird. You're an early bird. I'm an early bird. Yeah. Uh, always have been. I'd like to get that worm. Yeah. You'll have to fight me for Let's it. Let's get a worm together. Fight me for that worm. <laughs> uh, okay, that's it. That's our show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're Farthouse Pod. On Instagram, Farthouse Podcast. If you want to follow Patrick on Twitter, Patrick R. Mallon. Letterboxed at PR Mallon. I'm Casey Lee O'Brien on all services. If you want to sponsor a show, Patrick Dash Mallon on Venmo, help us. It's $10 to sponsor an episode. No prescription. $25 to prescribe us a drink. Like today we drank margaritas. Very tasty. Um, and if you want to leave us a five-star review, it really helps the show. Okay, Patrick, this is good. Time to go. Okay, bye, everybody. This is the Cinephile Cuties signing off. Bye. Patas. 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 Patas.